Right, hello everyone. This is our uh, second podcast. Um, I'm really pleased to be joined by Chris Hutchinson today, who's uh, a person of faith and a leader and has a particular interest in leadership. Chris, welcome to joining us today. Thank you, Daniel. Um, And you are in Northern Ireland. How's things in Northern Ireland? It's a, it's a very um, interesting point for us that we are watching, um, you know, on a daily basis, waiting for the, the briefing by the Prime Minister to see where we're at as a UK, but yet not quite fully seeing the, the impact being played out in Northern Ireland, but very much bracing ourselves for, for what we believe is, is definitely going to come here. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh... We're seeing lots of stuff kick off here in London in terms of the COVID-19 crisis. And uh, yeah, it seems a, a sad thing, but it seems that it's going to go other places as well. So just, just to kind of, for people listening today, just give us a little bit of an outline of what your, uh, your role is at Ulster University. Okay, so I work for Ulster University. I'm provost of um, one of our campuses based up in the North Coast in the Causeway um, Coast and Glens area. And essentially, um, the provost is a role by which um, we are an ambassador for the vice chancellor in terms of communicating our mission. So what I do is I work a lot with external stakeholders, so with politicians, with community groups, um, and as well also working internally. So making sure that the Ulster University family on my campus are cared for and looking at that strategy around our academic planning and students. Wow, okay. So uh, you're kind of in the midst of it at the moment. I assume that that pretty much everyone's gone online and there's not much happening at the university or is there actual activity still happening at the university itself? Academic activity is actually on a, what I'd like to say, an acceleration. Um, So there has been a huge emphasis on on migration online. And, you know, for some academics, that is um, business as usual. For other academics, it's really been a catalyst of very quickly learning to, it's more than just putting slides online which we have to do. So there's a huge um, catalyst there in terms of looking at the student experience online. But that's actually been only one element for us. For us, it's actually been looking at our staff, our administration staff, our estate staff, our sports staff, our student support. There's been a huge um, impact in terms of our business as usual. Um, And we're seeing that, you know, even things like remote working, no, but like, in terms of administration, I would say there would be a very, very, very small percentage of administrative staff that would work remotely. It's very much in the physical location. So you can imagine what that's like. Many don't have laptops. So there's been a huge change in culture, essentially. And then what is the impact then on those that are leading that and managing those people? So, I mean, huge seismic shift for us. Um, which I believe will reset us actually in a better position. Okay. And it's almost been that, um, that kick to, um, for us to really pull ourselves into what our students want in terms of their learning experience. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So a very different kind of um, uh, situation in, um, in terms of for many of our listeners. So uh, a much bigger organization and different things uh, going on. Many of our um, Faith Action members will be um, 
in smaller organisations, uh, but facing the similar situation that, that things are, are quite based on on locations and, and physical interaction and that kind of stuff. Um, if you can, can I get you to cast your mind back to a kind of pre-COVID-19 world, which effectively was, what, three weeks ago, uh, but it feels like a, a world away. Can you tell me how your faith has affected your career, how you've played out um, uh, uh, things in, in life, in, particularly in relation to your leadership role? In terms of my role as provost, and actually as an academic, where I, I'm very active in terms of research, you know, we, we have been so privileged in terms of our academic freedom and what I mean by that is the ability to, yes, we have KPIs and we have very clear set strategic objectives, which we must achieve, but that is all within a framework of academic freedom. So, so for me, that has been actually the biggest challenge. And when I say freedom, I actually um, took the virus. So going back three weeks ago, I was very ill for two weeks. And whenever you're sick, the, the sense that I felt is that I felt that I didn't have the freedom to function as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as someone. I couldn't even function in my work. So for reasons of health, I felt that that freedom had taken away from me. And then once I got better and I came back, um, actually just this week, the sense of, well, I don't even have the freedom to, to um, work out my day so that I can carve out time for creativity and for research and for actual just thinking and problem solving. Mm. Because, you know, I'm, I'm working at home. There's six of us in the house. I've got four children, two big children, university back home, two smaller children, you know, a husband, you know, we're fighting for the study. So for me, that all of those freedoms where I could choose to go to a coffee shop to hide so I could do yeah. what thinking was gone. The choice to go on campus and build connections and build new projects and activities, gone. But actually my reflection on this, and because of my faith, it's, it's this is going to pass. Yeah. We have seen wars and crises, and I do not want to undermine or be insensitive because this is probably one of the hugest things that we've ever faced, mm. but this will pass. So, so what is the, what is the opportunity in this for me and where does my faith play out? So I feel my responsibility as a leader is actually at this moment is to help is to support, but is to plant seeds of hope. And I have a platform to do that. And that has become my mission. That's becoming, so my core values have always been generosity and kindness and connection. So how can I do that in a virtual world? How can I plant seeds of hope? And that's what I'm excited about um, in working with lots of people and sharing that. And we're, we're doing some incredible work at the university now just because of that, which started as my own faith journey. So it's, like, it's an exciting. I'm turning it around and pivoting. <laughs> so that's um so that's that's an absolutely superb challenge and i note that in that you said you've struggled to find time for creativity but can you give us a sneak preview of what some of that online hope giver stuff looks like do you know it's not rocket science so i can't tell you that it's um super innovative but actually what we decided to do was that, you know, I serve the campus, the Coleraine campus, right? in the Causeway Coast. 
So how can I serve our campus connections internally and outside? Um, and I can do that in, in ways. So what we've done is we've pulled together as a university and we have put the campus connections online. So we are doing things like um, You Have Talent. We're doing Around the World with You, the You being we're playing on the Ulster University. And that is where people are posting videos of international, their international dish. So we, we have quite a lot of different nationalities. Um, so, for example, today we launched the video of Raffaella Foley, who's the provost of Belfast. She's Italian okay. and her family are right in the middle of the crisis in Northern Italy. And she's given back and she showed how she learned in Northern Italy how to make pizza. Right. Um, and then we have somebody from France. So that is a way of and we, we can get recipes online. Yeah. You know, we can Google for information. But what about a familiar face telling you and letting you into their home That's and seeing true. other people's kitchens and seeing how they work, <laughs> seeing their kids run around? So I think this has been a real reality check. And then the third one that I'm really excited about is we've partnered with a charity called Ashes to Gold. Mm. And I think Ashes to Gold, that charity for me, he's, he's a good friend, sums out, it feels like our, our economy, is it turning to ashes? Is our national health, is all we're going to have left is just ashes? What about society and connection? Are we just going to, is it just dissolving in front of us? Um, but it's about finding the gold. So we teamed up with them and we actually used our school of education and we created a bit of a, a competition and we, we bought 200, we started with 200 plants. And again, this is very small, small seeds. Hmm. And then we have put in a little note with a message of hope. And we have um, brought those out to the areas in school areas which are very socially deprived. And with our network and the charity has delivered those in the key shops where the kids are going to, you know, buy their, buy their food um, and building that up. And the reason we have chosen plants is that we can't see the plant right now. These are seeds in a pot, Mm -hmm. but as you water and as you watch and as you, you take care you will actually have something beautiful at the end of this crisis. Mm. And that's how we are sow- sowing the seeds of hope. That's excellent. That's really good. I really like that. I have, um, have you been able to get your pots and pans out and bang uh, with your thanks for NHS? Has that been happening around your way as well? It is, you know, but we, we live in the middle of nowhere. So the clapping's very echoey and it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yes, no, absolutely. Like we we spent last night, you know, on the phone with a really close friend who's our who's a GP. So I think everybody is touched by this in terms of NHS. So of course we're all we're all rooting for them and um love them and um are very grateful for them. I think it's things like that, what you described, that superb idea of the, the seeds in the pot. But some of these corporate acts, there is there is something um as a as an old history teacher, I kind of I'm seeing the similarities of the commonality of experience and the humanity of things. Mm. We're experiencing, yes. you know, the bad side we're experiencing the lack of toilet roll. Mm-hmm. Um, we're experiencing people giving to one another. We're also experiencing people taking, you know, yes. so there is, there is a, an interesting uh, opportunity, I think, to be holding a different value. Um, and I, I, think it's, I think your whole thing about ashes to gold, I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see that, you know, for some nations, 
America and I suppose Japan to some extent, their, their post-war experience really took them off and made them world leaders. Um, and uh, I suppose that's, that's partly what you're going to be interested in, in terms of the recovery stuff. Can we get a little bit of a touch of that, what you're looking at there in terms of leadership through and, and into recovery as well? So my area of research is leadership development and how we can better support and develop our leaders. Specifically, my work is um, carried out with entrepreneurs, so small business, so you can imagine um, what they're going through at the minute. Yeah. And, and what, what we can see in this crisis is that crisis often exaggerates the negative, yeah. but it doesn't tend to exaggerate the positive. Okay. Um, and the one thing that I, as I started a new study into finding out how these entrepreneurs are, are navigating the challenges um, and what does it mean for them in terms of how differently they have to lead. Yeah. And what I'm actually finding out is for, for small business, they're not actually having to radically change how they lead. Right. Um, what I mean by that is that um, for certainly a lot of the companies that that I do, and they, they sense the responsibility um, to respond to the crisis in, in whatever way. So what we're saying is that their core values as leaders, for a lot of them that I'm interviewing, one of their core values is caring for people, so right. caring for the staff or caring for the clients or the, in terms of their suppliers. And actually, if you look, a good, strong leadership always puts people first. Uh-huh. Not rhetoric, it's a reality. And I think the other part that um, I'm seeing and those that are are certainly in terms of the grief curve are actually now planning for the recovery. And I mean planning, I mean that in a very loose sense, probably from the fact that they are hopeful yeah. and they are seeing something. They're seeing something in the gold in the future. And I think that's the part where they have this emotional agility to move from <clears throat> the crisis and to find the space in between. Which Just explain that, that grief curve uh, to me or to people because I think I know what you're talking about. Let's but let's just uh, let's just hear about that. Yeah, very very simply, and um, the, the the grief curve is a the one that I refer to as the Kubler Ross grief cycle, and essentially, whenever we are shocked by a crisis or a um, something. Um, quite significant in terms of a challenge usually the first response is denial because people are confused um the the second stage is around then the initial response to that can often be anger can be frustration and then with that then you find people are becoming very very anxious and i talk about that this covid19 is one virus but certainly there's another virus you know, um, raking through our society and it's called anxiety. Um, but we have a choice. We don't have to catch that one. Um, and then at the very low point in the cycle is actually the sense of um, depression, this this helplessness that, that comes in. And I feel that is um, probably where we're heading now around Easter time, ironically, if you look at the faith journey and what Easter means to some of us in faith. Um, and that that will be where the reality really checks in. And then as we're coming out of it, it'll be you'll start to see people experiment. We can see that already. People are starting to experiment with what recovery could look like. Um, and then they're learning. People then are trying to, ah, what could I learn? Could I could I do this? I've always wanted to do this. And you'll see people starting then to bargain, to make decisions. 
Um, and then ultimately coming out of the curve will be the acceptance of a new norm. Mm. That's interesting. Chris, there is so much that we could explore, but I know that you are a busy person, so I don't want to keep any more of your time. Um, but I, I just want to give a, a big thank you to you, Chris Hutchinson, for, for joining us from Northern Ireland. And, of course, to our listeners for joining us on this podcast. We're hoping to get something up, hopefully once a week, with uh, people of faith in leadership and what they're finding. So do uh, do log on and see what's happening. We'll send some emails out and uh, obviously do tell others. Um, thanks a lot, Carice. And uh, we will again speak soon.